0: Trainingport.net presents Business, business Aviation course. Training Report. Hello, and welcome to the Business Aviation Training Report, a monthly look at events in the business aviation world. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. This podcast is produced by the leader in online training for business aviation, Trainingport.net. We link the aviation news of the day. With the training needs of business aviation operators, management, their support staff, maintainers, and pilots. We want to discuss topics that are important to business aviation professionals. So please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. ICAO has recently, as of November 5th, 2020, changed the categories of aircraft for rig turbulence purposes. Some say the changes are in direct result of the Challenger upset, which occurred in the Arabian Sea behind an Airbus 380 in 2017. The crew of the Challenger was on radar and passed 1,000 feet beneath the 380. The aircraft rolled multiple times and both engines flamed out. The crew got one engine restarted and diverted. The aircraft was bent beyond repair and there were many injuries on board as well. Wake turbulence is a threat anytime the aircraft is airborne and sometimes when it is not, such as on the ramp near a helicopter. Wake turbulence is not only a consideration during takeoff and landing phases, as the Challenger occurrence proves, but the new ICAO wake turbulence categories, or recat, they call it, are designed only to apply in the takeoff and landing phase. For enroute wake, a consideration is that aircraft navigation systems are so accurate That aircraft pass each other on virtually exactly the same track. I've told this story before on a previous podcast, but I was coasting in from Hawaii to North America and another aircraft was catching us a thousand feet below. They had been slowly gaining on us all night from Hawaii. As they flew underneath us, our radar altimeter became active and gave readings of the distance to the aircraft below until the pass was complete. The width of a narrow-body airliner is about 12 feet, and our tracks were close enough to activate our radar altimeter. The old weight categories were, just because you might come into contact with the old categories in some countries, it was uh, starts with light, indicates an aircraft type with a maximum certified takeoff mass of 7,000 kilograms, thousand pounds or less, medium, was from uh, 136,000 kilograms, 300,000 pounds, but uh, down to 15,500 pounds or the, the top of the light category. And then heavy refers to an aircraft type with a maximum certified takeoff mass of 136,000 kilograms or 300,000 pounds or more. However, there is or was an exception, which is the super category, which is the Airbus A380-800, which is about 560,000 kilograms or approximately 1.2 million pounds. Here are a few occurrences that have happened recently. Qantas Flight 94, which was a 380, departed from Los Angeles International Airport in June of 2018. Less than two hours into the 16-hour flight to Melbourne, Australia, the A380 descended for 10 seconds while flying at 30,000 feet. The incident was a result of Flight 94 flying through the wake turbulence generated by another Qantas A380, Qantas Flight 12, which was flying 1,000 feet above and 23 miles ahead of Flight 94. At Altsu, data suggests that vortices sink at a rate of 300 to 500 feet per minute and stabilize at about 500 to 1,000 feet below the flight level of the generating aircraft. November 2008 saw a Learjet crash in Mexico City, killing all on board and many on the ground after encountering wake turbulence from a 767. The investigation stated that the plane did not slow down to the required speed as instructed by the air traffic controller. This brought the aircraft closer to the Mexicana 767-300. After the speed reduction clearance was given, the crew waited more than a minute before starting the reduction. Weather at the time was clear and calm, which helped maintain the wake vortices. Incident data shows that the greatest potential for a wake vortex incident occurs when a light aircraft is turning from base to final behind a heavy aircraft flying a straight in approach. Light aircraft pilots must use extreme caution and intercept their final approach path above or and well behind the heavier aircraft's path. We fly lots of visual approaches in clear weather, and we are trying to get on the ground as quickly as possible for many reasons. Keep your head in the game right until the engine shutdown. Wake turbulence can be experienced on the ramp by way of helicopters. Helicopter wakes may be of significantly greater strength than those from a fixed-wing aircraft of the same weight. The strongest wake can occur when the helicopter is operating at lower speeds of 20 to 50 knots don't be reliant on the size of the helicopter only for wake generation as the number of main rotor blades the helicopter has affects the size of the wake a mid-size helicopter with two blades will produce wake as strong as that of a heavier helicopter because a two-blade main rotor system produces a stronger wake than rotor systems with more blades so what are wake vortices or wake turbulence all aircraft generate wake vortices when an aircraft is flying there's an increase in pressure below the wing and a depression on the top of the airfoil. Therefore, at the tip of the wing, there is a differential pressure that triggers the roll of the airflow after the wing. What are the characteristics of wake vortices? This is from Airbus. The active part of a vortex has a very small radius, not more than a few meters. However, there is a lot of energy due to the high rotation speed of the air. Okay, let's talk descent rate. In calm air, a wake vortex descends slowly. As an order of magnitude in cruise, it could be 1,000 feet below and behind the generating aircraft at a range of 15 miles. EASA says this could be as far as 25 miles behind a heavy aircraft. In the approach phase, the descent is usually limited to around 700 feet. However, depending on weather conditions, the descent rate may vary significantly and may even be very small. One of the key factors affecting this descent is the variation of the temperature with altitude. A temperature inversion limits the rate of descent. Okay, let's talk decay rate. One important parameter of a wake vortex is the decay of its strength over time. The decay rate varies slightly from one aircraft type to another. In calm air, due to low external interference, decay rate is low. What about ground effect? When the aircraft is close to the ground, less than a wingspan, the two vortices tend to drift out from the runway centerline, each towards its own side at a speed of about two to three knots. It is this phenomenon when associated with a light crosswind component that tends to hold the upwind vortex roughly on the centerline of the runway, whilst the downwind vortex moves away from the runway, but perhaps a parallel runway. Due to this phenomenon, the decay is much faster in ground effect. Let's talk about aircraft weight. Wake vortex strength increases with the weight of the aircraft. This is why the previous ICAO aircraft classification is based on max takeoff weight. Research has shown that other parameters are also important. More about that in a minute. Okay, weather conditions again. Weather conditions play a major role in wake vortex development and decay. If there is moderate turbulence, a vortex will dissipate very quickly, says Airbus. If strong winds are associated with turbulence, then this will also contribute to a rapid vortex decay. Calm weather creates the most critical situation, as I said before, as the vortex strength decreases slowly and the vortex may be felt far behind the generating aircraft. Ekao says, the lift that the aircraft's wing is designed to produce directly affects the intensity and lifespan of the generated vortex. Therefore, the new separation minima is based on wake vortex categories of the preceding and the following aircraft, which in turn are derived from the maximum takeoff weight. But research flight testing also found that aircraft's speed and wingspan also affect the strength of the wake generated and also the following aircraft's reaction to the wake. As a result, aircraft are placed into six wake vortex categories, common for departure and arrival separation. Due to increasing traffic levels outside of a pandemic and congested airports, regulation changes were planned and implemented with the aim of increasing airport capacity. So what is RECAT? Wake Turbulence Recategorization or Wake RECAT is the safe decrease in separation standards between certain aircraft. There were three phases, but the last phase became effective November 5, 2020. Way back, the Airbus 380 changed the wake turbulence game when it was introduced, and this resulted in many hours of flight testing. What was also found is that certain aircraft pairs have too much distance between them and could be safely reduced, thereby increasing airport capacity. This is the Recat program. Using that information, aircraft were reassigned to one of six new categories, A through F, which were derived by redefining the transition weight between the old categories, adding a super category, and splitting each of the medium and heavy categories into two new categories. The resulting recategorization is as follows. Category A, super heavy. B, upper heavy. C, lower heavy. D is upper medium. E is a lower medium, and F is light. So three heavy categories, two mediums, and a light. Some examples for each are category A includes the Airbus 380 and the Antonov 124 and 225. Upper and lower heavy is large airliners such as 757, Airbus 350, and the Dreamliner. Upper medium includes uh, Gulfstream 5, 737 NG series, and Airbus 320. Lower medium includes Gulfstream 4, Challenger 600 series, and the 737 Classics. And the light category, or category F, includes everything else, such as Lear 60, Citation 525, and the 650. Under the recap program, the required separation is much more detailed. By example, a Lear 60, which was a medium on the old system, behind a heavy aircraft, was separated by five miles. Now a Lear 60 is designated as F category, or light and will be separated by 6 7 or 8 miles behind heavy aircraft depending on which specific aircraft type is the leader the increased airport efficiencies comes in where similar aircraft pairs are now flying closer together new for the recategorization program are time-based separation limits for departure an example is a lear 60 behind a g5 is 2 minutes and a lear 60 again category f behind a 757 is 140 seconds, or just over two minutes. There are charts out there if you're interested in those numbers. Okay, let's talk operations. Situational awareness is critical here, but if wake is encountered, it could be as simple as rocking the wings. Airbus research says to release or guard the controls only and never use the rudders. One jolt may be accompanied by more turbulence, so always be prepared to go around. Accidents have happened where the crew encountered a small amount of wake on approach, but continued the approach only to lose control close to the ground. What are some pilot procedures with regards to turbulence? Fly a stable approach. This is important for many reasons, as we all know. Larger aircraft in front are probably flying the glide path, so smaller aircraft can choose to fly slightly higher to avoid a wake encounter. Take the wind into account. Always have a plan to go around if necessary. Fly the assigned speeds as ATC is providing separation and requires those speeds to maintain separation. Watch for the previous aircraft's touchdown point or liftoff point on the runway. Minimize your time on the runway after landing so ATC can maintain separation. For enroute route wake, use all available resources to maintain a safe distance. Wake can exist 25 miles behind large aircraft. Watch out for crossing traffic. If you are operating in oceanic airspace, use SLOP. Okay, let's change gears for a moment. In the news is a segment of the podcast where I talk about other happenings in aviation. Getting a coffee can be a great way to manage fatigue, but it can also expose the aircraft to a level of risk that may not be evident. On February 6, 2019, an Airbus A330 on a scheduled flight from Frankfurt to Cancun, Mexico was west of Ireland when a cup of coffee was spilt on the left side avionics control panel or ACP. After 20 minutes, the ACP became very hot and emitted an electrical burning smell. When the right side ACP also began to malfunction and the left side unit began to emit smoke, the resulting communications difficulties were such that the captain could only hear radio communications through the first officer's speaker. The audio control panel on the FO side started to melt a button on the panel. With the smell of burning electrical and some smoke present, The crew alternated between using oxygen, so one crew member was always using oxygen. The crew diverted to Shannon. The aircraft manual states that Airbus highly recommends that flight crews put and store all objects in their dedicated area of the cockpit, in other words, cups in cup holders. The investigation found that, quote, The size of cups used by this operator on this route made it more difficult to take cups in and out of the cup holder, unquote so pilots did not generally use the cup holders. The investigation also noted that a lid properly secured on the top of the cup may have reduced the amount of liquid spilled on the console. If you spill a liquid on a panel and nothing happens, this is not a guarantee that no damage has occurred. Flights have had smoke in the cockpit many days after a liquid spill that was not reported. You must report the spill or risk a future flight having to deal with it. I've seen photos of avionics that have had liquid spilled on them, and it's amazing they continued to work at all. That's it for Podcast 25. Have a great day. That's our podcast for today. Podcast notes will be posted on our website at trainingport.net. Click on Podcast. We aim to discuss topics that are relevant to business aviation professionals, and we would love to hear your suggestions for future podcasts. You can email us at at trainingport. Net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. This podcast is brought to you by trainingport.net, leader in online business aviation training. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. I'm your host, Brent Fishluck. Have a great day, and thank you for listening to the Business Aviation Training Report. For more information on each episode, visit us at www.trainingport.net slash podcast. Trainingport.net, helping business aviation professionals excel.